Welcome to the Romani Tea Room, a podcast series by the European Roma Rights Centre, talking about Romani activism, history and culture. So pour yourself a cup of tea, pull up a chair and join us. Hello, you're listening to the Romani Tea Room. I'm your host, Sophie Tatishvili. September is a time when Roma rights conversations become a highlight on the EU level at the annual events. In the upcoming days, advocacy talks, exchange of knowledge, discussions about anti-gypsism and reviews of policies impacting Roma will be heard a lot on different platforms. Let's take a different path and if you already poured yourself a cup of tea or maybe even coffee, let's find out how to start combating racism in ourselves our schools, neighborhoods, countries, and our continent. In this episode, my role will be limited. With you, I will be listening to a conversation between two Irishmen, two human rights advocates who set for a talk specially for the Romani Tea Room. One of them is the director of the European Union Fundamental Rights Agency, Michael O'Flaherty, and Bernard Rourke, advocacy and policy manager at the European Roma Rights Center. I leave you here for a while and let you listen to our guests. Bernard Rourke is opening the conversation. Thank you very much for taking the time to um, speak to us today and to have this conversation. It's great to finally sit down and be face to face over Zoom. So, I mean, I'll kick off with just the first question. Um, in a video, you described the impact of COVID-19 on the Roma community as devastating and you likened it to a perfect storm. And your focus was on Romani children and the loss of a whole year of schooling, like, and you called it robbing children of the one place where they can hope and dream the same dreams as other children. Now, as far as documented, many member states have been robbing children's dreams for decades through school segregation. And that Roma and traveler children frequently experience hate motivated bullying and harassment. Your own data shows like, in nine EU member states with significant Roma populations, 46% of Romani children attend schools where all or most of their schoolmates are Roma. Now we've had five years of EU infringement proceedings against three member states dragging on without resolution. And worse still in Hungary, things with Prime Minister Orban emphatically taking the side of the segregators in a case that was won by Romani families in the Supreme Court and Parliament sub subsequently amending the law on education to prevent financial compensation on segregation claims. What's your assessment of the EU's efforts to date on combating school segregation? And at this stage, what more can be done? Yeah, uh, Bernard, look, let me start, come, I'll answer your question, but I'd like to frame it in, in a bigger context. It's my clear view, my firm view that the situation of uh, our Roma communities in Europe is the greatest human rights challenge that the continent, never mind the European Union, faces. Um, uh, in the EU alone, six million people who are forced through no fault of their own to live in deplorable conditions that should be intolerable in any part of the world, never mind its richest corner. Uh, the, um, and this dreadful situation is compounded by the huge difficulty in getting Roma issues up the policy ladder, uh, I, 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 getting them to the degree where people who make the decisions that impact our lives 
uh, reach a point that they, they cannot turn away anymore and that concerted strong action is needed. Um, the, um, look, I, 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 forgive me for all these preliminary remarks, but there's one further one, and that is that we will only achieve anything in this area uh, if we restore human dignity to the heart of policymaking. Policymaking for the Europe of values is about um, making law policy and practice, creating societies and communities where the, the, the unique dignity of the individual is the core organizing principle out of which everything else flows. And in fact, if we don't achieve that, we won't achieve anything else. Then I come to school segregation. Um, the, the clearly, it's intolerable, it's totally unacceptable, this form of uh, de facto uh, or organized um, apartheid. Um, and it, 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 it needs to be dealt with because it's not only awful in itself for the children who experience it, but it feeds so many other dimensions of how Rome are treated in our societies, and it triggers an intergenerational, you know, endless mm -hmm. quality to the, to, to, to the problem. Um, is the EU doing enough uh, to deal with it? Well, I would have to say, firstly, I think that's the wrong first question, because the, the, the first question has to be, are, are governments doing enough? Uh, to deal with it, uh, and uh, clearly not, and in some places, uh, most certainly not, and 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 uh, it's not about accidents. It's, it's it, we know there are places and contexts where it's it's about a strategy or a, a recognition of what's happening and an unwillingness to engage with it. Um, but that's that's got to be where we find the solution. The EU can only be in the background uh, pushing uh, uh, to to bring about the changes and using its toolbox. But its toolbox alone will achieve nothing if you don't have the, the government willingness to engage. Um, is the EU using its toolbox enough even in that secondary uh, function? Um, it certainly has been using it. Uh, and yes, it could be used more. Um, the infringement proceedings that have been taken uh, have run long, but then infringement proceedings across just about any sector run very long indeed. Uh, the, so that's not, I think, specific to the questions we're discussing today. It's more just about the weightiness of the, the EU machinery. Um, we have the strong decisions from the European Court of Justice. Uh, these, are, these, are, these are used smartly in courtrooms. These are formidable tools. Uh, and, 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 and I think that should be acknowledged. And I think the role of the European Court of Justice uh, and the, sorry, in the European Court of Human Rights and the European Court of Justice working in tandem as the sort of human rights um, guardians uh, is, 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 needs to be acknowledged. Uh, and finally, the toolbox is strengthening. Uh, we now have a conditionality element with regard to spending of the EU funds uh, under the new budget. Uh, and, and, and it's too early to criticize action or inaction under it. We're just entering into this new phase of, of budget cycles of the EU. And I have every, I've every expectation, but more importantly, I've every, um, Expert, yeah, I, 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 it's important that we all insist uh, that the conditionality tools be used appropriately, including for the, in the context of integration and showing respect for every last Roma man, woman and child within the European Union. Thank you. I mean, I fully endorse that. Would you perhaps might understand, we, for those of us that have been campaigning against school segregation since 2000, you will understand that we have become a little bit impatient, especially on a time-sensitive issue, because every minute yeah. lost, yeah. every day lost in a child's education can't be grasped yeah. back again. But Bernard, look, I couldn't agree more, but mm -hmm. do we not need to grab the big issue, which is the racism in our societies? And, and only out of that will we, will we start to fix things. Um, I, I, I'm, I've been disappointed at the extent to which 
the situation Roma find themselves in has been defined and described as a Roma problem. It's not. It's a it's a society problem. It's it's the it's the rollout and the daily evidence of the one great racism that seems to be tolerable uh, within our European societies. We've got to call that out. We've got to recognize that this is a general population issue. And only when we do that, and when we acknowledge even the racism inside ourselves, uh, that we'll start to make some progress. That's, by the way, uh, why I welcome a focus on, um, on anti-Gypsyism uh, in mm -hmm. the EU strategy that's, uh, that's, that's just been put in place. Uh, this is a necessary first step to having that big national social debate uh, out of which we only only out of which we can fix the, the, the problems yeah I've, i mean i fully agree it should be put in the wider context of anti-racism in general and anti-roma racism in particular and it takes me to a point that you had raised in questions i mean how do we tackle a racism that's so deeply rooted in our societies yeah um oh gosh you know that we, we have to come at it from so many different directions yeah. Yeah, the, the first thing is we have to name it, Bernard, we have to, mm -hmm. and this is a remarkably difficult, how often do I watch a debate or I listen into a radio show and I hear politicians saying, we're not racist in our country, we have problems, but we're not racist, we're actually good, good people. Uh, you know, the country I think you come from as well, the country we come from, we say, oh, because of our colonial background, we know what it's like to be trodden over, so, you know, that's one problem we don't have to deal with, but nonsense, rubbish. Uh, we have to have that necessary tough conversation uh, and it's not just about our society is racist it's about I'm racist and I have to figure out I have to dig that stuff out of myself and figure out a way to, to address it um, so so acknowledging the, the reality of racism secondly um, recognizing the the, the anti-racism messaging that has to happen in every bit of our society we're talking about roma in school but if we go more generally to the general school population uh do we are we investing enough in tackling racism and promoting um equality in the way kids are taught right across all the school rooms um are, are we engaging in the adult public messaging um and are we being serious about enforcing law when the legal lines get crossed be it the legal line of a duty of a local authority to build a house uh, or an appropriate form of accommodation or the pursuit of somebody who crosses the criminal law with what say, they say or they do. Um, and these are just some of the dimensions, but all of them have to be engaged. And uh, I see some efforts in that direction, but we have so much further to go. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the big question. I mean, and if I was to answer in a slogan i would say agitate educate litigate and legislate now i'm not being trite because no. combating racism today requires relentless struggle and constant vigilance i'm reminded of a quote from hannah arendt in 1938 she said that the jews are the source of anti-semitism is the malicious and stupid insight of anti-semites yeah. it's like nothing was learned from the Holocaust, these malicious and stupid insights can be heard today with reference to the Roma. Roma are blamed for their own predicament. Yep. Predicament, And we live in an era when in EU member states where racist mobs acting at the behest of politicians such as, you know, Bulgarian Deputy Prime Minister who in 2019 called for a complete solution to the gypsy problem. Um, and mobs were attacking neighborhoods basically at, at his um, behest or Matteo Salvini, Italy's former yeah. interior minister, one of the major powers of the European Union, 
Salvini called for a mass cleansing of Roma, street by street, piazza by piazza, neighborhood by neighborhood. And these things were taken literally by members of neo-fascist gangs such as Casa Pound and Forza Nuova. Now, something you said about the refusal to recognize racism. It seems that, um, like, without going into the sordid and bloody details of five years of conquest and colonization, slavery and empire, the point still hasn't sunk in that racism is integral and not incidental to the history of what people like Prime Minister Orban call European Christian civilization. Now, from our side, it's also necessary to register that resistance to fascism and racism and the rejection of a politics and hate is also an integral part of modern European history and remains an ongoing struggle. So uh, yeah, I fully endorse that we have to take it in, in this wider context. How, how do we get past agitation, to use your, your word, to indignation? Um, indignation from uh, the guy walking by on the street down there. Uh, that's what's missing. I, I, I don't see a, a shout out for justice for the Roma from the rest mm -hmm. of society. And I don't think we're going to achieve it without that. So how can we make that step? Well, I mean, we have those that consider themselves to be liberal and worthy. The burden of responsibility lies with um, basically all who wield power to dismantle racist injustice. Now, I don't see the indignation. I see flashes of indignation. I see moments of mobilization. But this ambivalence and indifference, the routinization of anti-Roma racism, that it's simply the way things are. When I, you know, and it's not confined to Central and Eastern Europe, I'm talking about France, Italy, Ireland. Um, so that requires, I mean, that requires agitation. That requires shaking people. That requires education because for the mass of people who are not um, actively prejudiced or actively racist, where it's more a sort of passive inculcation of societal norms, that's where the education component comes in. It's also where the legislation and litigation comes in because people who are in public office, there has to be a price for racism. It's not enough to simply have awareness training so that people might turn out to be nicer. Um, when police officers storm into Romani neighborhoods, beat people to death in detention, um, there needs to be, in the, it's not enough to say, like the strategic responses, more raising more awareness among police officers. We need independent bodies of inquiry that ha have the resources and the mandate to investigate racist police brutality. The lack of sort of follow up on hate crime and hate speech. Again, I see a dawning awareness that this is important. This needs to be addressed, um, but we're still, I mean, so far behind. The starting point for well-intended people who are in positions of power and privilege, who are in organizations, is to see if their organizations are hostile environments for Roma. If they have excluded or trivialized through intended or unintended sort of custom, um, to exclude Roma, to see in terms of public bodies what the representation of the largest so-called largest ethnic minority in Europe is. Um, there needs to be um, so much done in, I mean, so much done in educate, like within educating and raising awareness, but without um, wider, and by mobilization, I don't mean tens of thousands of people in the street every day. I mean in local communities and face-to-face -face encounters that when people 
mobilize a sense, their, a sense of fairness and decency in be it in small villages and towns, be it in schools and workplaces. Um, but the starting point, it's not enough um, to be sort of, uh, to have it harbor a dislike of racism. The starting point needs that sort of those who have any sort of power, be they school teachers, be they local administrators, the starting point is to be anti-racist. And we're not just talking about Roma, we're talking about every racialized minority. Um, I have seen, I saw in living in Britain over sort of 20 years, I saw a change in the sense of public awareness about what is, um, that forms of racist behavior that had been sort of normal turns of phrase, expressions, the level of institutional racism that went unquestioned and challenged became questioned and challenged, but it was not through passively waiting for frameworks to take root. Yeah. It was through activism. It was through mobilization. It was through sort of public bodies, public broadcasting bodies taking on um, a sort of ethical commitment to values of diversity. And so it, by mobilization, I don't simply mean people in the streets. I mean that wherever those who have power and responsibility and visibility, um, and it can be done, it needn't always be, you know, to arouse indignation, um, to be constantly in a state of indignation would be stressful for a lot of people, but um, an abiding sense that this is not right for my neighbor, my friend, my colleague, um, my children should not and will not have to endure what the previous generation endured. That sense of, um, so it's, it's an abiding commitment to, to extend in the public imagination what constitutes fairness and decency. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it needs to be punctuated by moments of mass mobilization, mass indignation, often public disorder to mm -hmm. shake um, those that govern. It, and it seems to me that Roma community need to play the lead role. Uh, the the, um, the community in all its diversity and all its richness needs to be somehow more visible um, in, in, in the villages, all those, those local places you talked about. Um, do you not agree that we, we, we could see much more? And by the way, we, we should also remember much more. Uh, one of the things that puzzles me is how there's almost zero awareness of the Holocaust, for example. Uh, the um, you know I, I visited the marvelous little museum in Heidelberg, uh, but uh, it, that's where I learned almost everything at, back then. That's where I learned mm -hmm. almost everything I knew. Um, why why is it that we're not doing a better job of, um, of, of, of listening to Roma tell the story of their, uh, their culture, their diversity, their reality, uh, and also learning the history? The, I mean, the politics of memory and amnesia are, are very fraught and complex, but I mean, even, I mean, the 10th anniversary of, in 1955, I mean, Primo Levi wrote that it's, Nowadays, it's considered to be bad taste to speak of the concentration camps. We are risk being accused of victimism, gratuitous fascination with the macabre, or pure and simple mendacity, an outrage to decency. So this was the plight of Holocaust survivors 10 years after the liberation of the camps. Now, for many years, those who refused to keep silent about the Romani Holocaust, such as Professor Ian Hancock, they faced these act, they were accused of exaggeration, or just like Levy in an earlier time, of um, pure and simple mendacity. Now, so it was relegated to the footnotes. So there were there was 
Um, and also it's important to remember that during the Holocaust, the Romani middle class was entirely wiped out. Um, so as well as, a, you know, the politics of an amnesia in post-war Europe, um, that recognition of the Jewish Holocaust wasn't sort of an automatic, this had to be fought for and struggled and people like Primo Levi, it means hard to imagine people like Primo Levi being called a liar after having survived um, this. So I am actually encouraged by the active work to recover memory, to ensure that it's no longer relegated to the footnotes, to put names to the victims, um, to sort of, it's still the scale of the Holocaust defies the imagination, but through narrative to memoir, we're able to sort of, um, mm. memory can be reconstructed. And I'm very encouraged by the work of young Romani activists, as well as an older generation of scholars to, who have the older generation that paved the way for this and the way it's been taken up by younger Roma to insist that this will, you know, this will not be forgotten. Um, but but it, it, that's great necessary work, but they need to get that out into the discourse in society. Uh, when, whenever society talks about the, 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 the Holocaust, uh, the Roma one must not be forgotten. It has to be there. And this is a, a very sensitive moment because uh, as you know, we also work on issues of anti-Semitism here in this agency, mm -hmm. and uh, we're acutely aware there that we've come to a turning point in terms of how we remember, because uh, survivors are disappearing, they're nearly all gone. Uh, and so we have to find a new way, not only to capture the memory, but to ensure that it's, it's shared with, for example, children in schools. Absolutely. And again, I'd come back to it with Primo Levi again, because he said back then in 55, he warned, if we fail to bear witness, in a not too distant future, we could well see the deeds of Nazi bestiality relegated by their very enormity to the status of legend. So it's vital to speak out. And as you say, as survivors um, are passing, then this becomes ever more important. Right. So this is, I, I, I think I'm sort of coming back to it again, uh, simply because this is a, a, a particular moment in history for, that we have to seize. This isn't just a, another normal year. It's, it's a key turning point in how we remember the, 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 the genocides uh, for, for risk of their being lost to, to future generations. So most of the criticism when it comes to anti-Roma racism is targeting Central Eastern European countries. And I was heartened by Fra's report on the situation of Roman travelers in five Western EU member states. Now, Ireland, um, it gets a good press abroad, especially when it came to the referendums on marriage equality and abortion rights. And most recently, Ireland has taken a firm stand against um, the Hungarian regime on LGBTQ issues. But it's a different story when it comes to anti-traveler racism. Now, official recognition of traveler ethnicity a couple of years ago, it gave many of us cause for optimism. So what's your assessment of the current situation and yeah. um, what is to be done? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, when I came to this job five and a half years ago, I didn't understand why countries like my own hadn't been surveyed uh, uh, on the, the issues of the situation of Roma and travellers. I, I grew up in Galway on the West Coast, uh, surrounded by the travelling community uh, from, from, from the very beginning. And uh, the, the deplorable condition uh, that they had to experience and the shocking racism they had to encounter was, 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 was a daily experience. Um, and so the, the, um, Ireland faces a huge issue 
in terms of respectful uh, engagement with an honoring of its traveler community. Uh, the, um, the, the struggle for recognition of ethnicity was a long one, and I know it. I was tangentially involved in it at various points, and uh, it, took a, it took a terribly long time, often in a manner that puzzled me. I wasn't sure what, what the reason for the resistance was, but we've achieved it, but we have a very long way to go. Um, I, I, I've had the pleasure and honor of visiting Pavi Point, which uh, plays a central role in, 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 in traveler activism uh, based out of Dublin. And um, so I've had a chance to listen firsthand to experiences. And uh, the, it seems Ireland will really only get it itself finally uh, into a better place uh, if it acknowledges the role of local authorities uh, and, and, and the need to deliver at that local level. I, the, um, it's, it's, it's well known that there isn't the full take up of resources by local government in Ireland to deliver on such things as housing. Uh, we constantly come across issues of, uh, of, of, of shelter and housing uh, sought to be provided that isn't culturally appropriate. Um, I had to learn from travelers in Ireland, for example, the centrality of the horse. And so if you don't actually create any possibility for some horses to be kept, you, you violate an absolutely central dimension of the cultural identity of the group. And yet that's not always acknowledged. So the, the local dimension is, is critically important. And at the local dimension, there's the need to work co-equally with, with uh, travelers, with Roman travelers as partners, not as beneficiaries, not as uh, objects of aid and assistance, but as co-shapers uh, of the solutions. Uh, and uh, I make that point in answer to a question about Ireland, but I, I make that point much more widely. Uh, um, and, uh, the, um, and in fact, one of my concerns is how we, uh, we, uh, how we resist objectification of Roma as a group in a terrible situation. It's very disempowering. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I've probably made a few missteps in how I've worded things today in this conversation. It, it's, 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 it's tricky. And, and again, we'd only get that right too uh, if, we, if we figure out how we engage around a table where the Roma participants are equal with, with, with ourselves. And I'm going to come back to something I spoke about at the beginning which is relevant to Ireland as well as to many other places. And that is that it's only when we get to grips with the phenomenon of racism more generally uh, uh, in our societies uh, that we'll be able to, to dig down deeper to look at the specifics of, of anti-gypsyism and anti-traveler um, attitudes. So they'd be the three dimensions that will be needed to move to the next level. I can only endorse my sort of privilege and good fortune in my working um, over the last 20 years is that I've, I've always worked for Roma directors in Romani-led programs. Mm -hmm. And um, I share your um, sort of sense that unless there are enough um, Roma in positions of influence, able to exercise power and make their voices heard. Um, and yeah, it's been objectification of, if you work in a predominantly Roma environment under with you know Roma leadership and Roma partners this becomes your everyday common common yeah. sense and I just wish more <laughs> throughout the institutions there would be um, a proportional representation sure. of the Romani population of Europe and the old arguments that oh this is a meritocracy it's not because we're racist um, don't hold water anymore yeah. and that institutions need to um, get a little bit more reflexive about how they have failed. I remember Claude Moraes from the Europe, 
former UK member of the, yes. um, the European Parliament, when he would take groups of school kids from London on a visit of the European institutions, those kids were taking it back because they'd never seen such white spaces. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was their honest, they were kind of befuddled. They'd never yeah. come from a, a diverse sort of city such as London. Yeah, and yeah. that was, that was their, their normal experience, but they were struck. He said yeah. kids from different groups. It wasn't, um, it was a spontaneous reaction, yeah. you know, that- Here, I mean, our institutions don't look like our streets. And that's, yeah. that, that, I mean, I see recognition of that and some efforts to fix it, but we have a very long way to go. The Fundamental Rights Agency will always have the, uh, its work, its support of Roma at the very heart of its agenda. Uh, it's a non-negotiable. And we'll reflect that through um, continuing periodically our surveys. Uh, on the experience of Roma across the member states, not just in Central and Eastern Europe, it could be across the member states. Uh, look, data changes nothing, but you can't change anything without data. Uh, and so we will, we will, we, we, we're committed into the future to stay with these repeated Roma surveys. We're also um, investing heavily in a dimension we didn't talk about much today, but it's very important, which is uh, getting more effective reporting and investigation of hate crime. The, um, uh, which, by the way, in turn requires that uh, trust be developed between the, uh, the, the police and Roma, another dimension of work we're doing. So we're, 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 not, going to, we're not going to fix the extraordinary problems single-handed, of course not, we wouldn't pretend it, but we're going to continue within our mandate, within our capacity and with our skill sets to come at these issues uh, to the extent possible. So you have that commitment from me. In this spirit of the solidarity, we finished the ninth episode of the Romani Room. I hope this half an hour was spent meaningfully for you. To hear more about Romani culture, history and activism, you can listen to our previous episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs>